Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sponsored by Brewers Outlet. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show is brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Time to stock up for the first tailgate of the season. Time to stock up for the Labor Day weekend. And you do it at Brewers Outlet. Imports Domestics Microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we are in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for everyone's daily dose of irrational. Let's bring it over to the complaint desk. (laughs) Well, speaking of irrational, once again, the ACC strikes again with this deal. I mean, we knew it was coming, but I I just don't understand what they think they're getting with these three teams that they've added in today. They don't bring anything on the football front, barely anything on the men's basketball front. Sure, I see so revenues are going to go up a little bit, but... You're so mean. I just... It's just the ACC is just kicking... It's, it's exactly just, like the spoiled brat that just wants to do something just so it can get attention, even though it's going to get zero attention, because there's nothing they can do for another 12 years. You're just so mean. I just call it like it is. I give you my honest opinion. So you're going to teach your two young children, with one on the way, by the way. Congratulations. Shortly, I should point out. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So, and you're going to teach them that it's good to be mean? (laughs) No, not not necessarily mean, but... I'm just, I'm just being realistic. <laughs> I'm telling it like it is. You're mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but telling it like so it mean. is. But Daddy's so mean. <laughs> like the, the, the tactician of tact. <laughs> All right, so let's 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 get into it because you are right. They don't bring much of anything to the table. And I don't want to hear about Stanford's five billion national championships. Yeah, enough. And the I, academic I mean, stuff. Yeah, I've had enough of that. Well, the academic stuff is important. I mean, don't I don't I think it's too easy for people in sports to blow off the academic stuff. Right. I, yeah, to, to it, a point, that's true. We had that okay. discussion last week. Because right. I mean, that's a three hundred sixty-five day thing of collaboration and so forth, where uh, partners can make partners better. You know, and now you're going to have an academic collaboration that will include people like Duke and Stanford together and Cal. I mean, there, there's something to that that part of it. Now, that's not the reason you do it, but it is a great benefit on the academic side, especially in research, that you can do it. Now, that aside, um, the... You're right. The all the football and basketball stuff. SMU actually will will end up being a good ACC team, I think. 
I think SMU is on the verge of getting better. I think uh, going from power, going from group of five to power five, I think their position financially and market-wise and with the talent in their state, actually I think for them this is a move up. I also think that it is for the ACC, it's an under-the-radar good pickup, and it doesn't cost them anything. Stanford and Cal don't bring anything to the table. I mean, they just don't. Um, Stanford is has really uh, not exactly thrown its heart and soul into football for a few years now. They really, they guess my understanding is they really don't participate in NIL. Um, and Cal has been off the radar forever. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they have been off the radar forever. Uh, and I mean, Matt, you're right. I mean, this. First of all, the ACC has been late to the table on a lot of this. Um, and and they've they've missed the boat. Uh, on this over the years. And I'll start with with one. Okay. When Penn State went to the Big Ten, Gene Corrigan was the um, commissioner of the ACC at the time. He had been the Notre Dame athletic director, left, uh, you know, it really, I mean, Father Joyce, I mean, Father Hesper ran the university. Father Joyce was the overseer in athletics, but Gene Corgan was the athletic director. And he left that and he took the job with the ACC. When Penn State shocked everybody and went to the Big Ten, Gene Corrigan called up Jim Tarman and said, Jim, he says, why didn't you call us? Would it have taken you in a heartbeat? Now, in the end, in today's climate, that's the best non-phone call that has been made because Penn State would be in the languishing position financially with the ACC instead of the financially powerful spot they're in right now with the Big Ten. All right? But that goes all the way back where they were looking around and saying, hey, we'd have taken you in a heartbeat. I mean, Gene Corgan said they, you know, they wanted him, and uh, and the reason was that in the Big Ten, Stanley Eikenberry at Illinois was the one making the overture. The Chancellor at Illinois, who at the time was the head of the CAC with the Big Ten, the academic branch, and was in direct talks with Bryce Jordan. Now, obviously, Jim was a part of what was going on, but you know, at the same time, they were negotiating with the Big Ten because the Big Ten was, you know, making the overture, and and at the same time, Bryce Jordan was reciprocating. But Corrigan said, "Hey, look, we'd have taken you in a heartbeat." He told Jim. He called him up, like either that night or the next day. 
in uh, December, right before Christmas, and he told them that. So they didn't get that. Now let's go to the most recent wave. When they sat down and there was a fear of getting poached, Maryland, of course, left. They went to the Big Ten. And it's interesting. You talk to the people of Maryland, which obviously I do a lot, and even to this day, their fan base would rather be in the ACC because that's what they grew up with. But financially, Maryland is in a great spot compared to all their former ACC brethren. They missed the boat on expansion two years ago. The ACC did. And they stood pat while sitting there with a TV contract that just is in the end stifling. Now let's keep in mind this TV contract and the grant of rights put in with it were a reaction to Maryland leaving and then the possibility there were a lot of rumors other schools leaving that North Carolina and Virginia could be going to. And the, so they put together this deal, and in order to get ESPN to own and operate the ACC network, they extended the contract out from 2027. contract was originally going to run out 2027. And they extended it out to 2036 in exchange for ESPN owning and operating the ACC network. That way, every sport could get on TV. Well, it brought with it, obviously, a grant of rights, which, if it was so easy to get out of, they'd be getting out of it. But you notice that everybody keeps going over to Greensboro to look at the document and they keep pouring over it and they can't find a way out of it. Florida State has poured over that document for 18 months and it's only a few pages long. They're not looking at thousands of pages here. Okay, let's see. Everybody take a page. No. There's not much to it. They can't find a way out. We'll just leave. Well, guess what? Your grant of rights is still $500 million till 2036. Plus, there's a $120 million exit fee. There are too many people out there that think, it's so easy, just give them money with it. It's not easy. That grant of rights was meant to be not easy. Okay? It was written to be not easy. So what does this do for the ACC? Uh, competitively, not much. Uh, Matt is absolutely I'm with you all the way, Matt. Uh, it, it, they just don't bring anything to the table. This is the equivalent. Since Brewer's Outlet is today's sponsor, let's keep it within the realm of the sponsor, okay? What do you say? I like where you're going with this. It's like me pouring you a beer from Brewer's Outlet. And at the end, all there's left at the bottom is you drinking the foam. That is a perfect example. 
Stanford, Cal, and maybe not so much SMU. No offense, in college realignment, they're the foam at the bottom. (laughs) Sorry. But from an athletic point of view, that's who they are. (laughs) You didn't think you'd hear that analogy today. (laughs) I did not, but I like it. I mean, that's what they are. In terms of athletic departments, they're the foam at the bottom when you're done drinking the beer. I don't want to hear they give you the San Francisco market. Oh, please. Do you think anybody in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose, do you think... Okay, I don't even know if this move to the ACZ is going to be on page one of the San Jose Mercury. <laughs> I don't even think it's going to be on page one of the San Francisco Examiner. And I just thought, too, I think it was from either Dennis Dodd or Pete Thamel that they're not even going to play the games out west. They're looking at Dallas as a meeting spot for some of these matchups, for some of the Olympic sports. Well, but yeah, but, but, uh, yeah, but Matt, that, that that's that's called smart. That's That's not... That's called smart. Okay? Uh, the Big Ten has been discussing this, too, you know. Okay. It's it's not as if the Big Ten has not been discussing, hey, let's, let's have an in-season festival, right, which would be at a neutral spot where, hey, you know, we could go to whatever. You know. Let's go to Sealands Grove. No, really? Nah, it's not neutral. Um, but, like, maybe taking an in-season baseball tournament, in-season soccer tournament, something. But they can bring everybody to say, I mean, it's been, now, I don't know if they're going to do it, but has it been discussed? Yes. Okay. So that's what, so, I mean, that to me is just being creative and uh, is a concession to the issue of travel. How about that? So I, I have no problem with that. Um, everybody's trying to at least play everybody, and they're trying to reduce the travel of it. Um, so it's okay to be a little inventive with that stuff. But this doesn't do anything. I mean, it. I mean, what's going to happen is this. My understanding is Stanford and Cal will each get a thir- Will each get thirty percent? of what everybody else is getting. So let's just use round numbers. If Florida State and Clemson are getting $50 million apiece, they're not, but say they're getting $50 million apiece, Cal and Stanford would be getting $15 million apiece. Okay? So 30%. SMU is coming in for nothing. They're going to take any TV money. Because they just want to make the move to a Power 5 conference from a group of five. This, in the end, simplifies things for the college football playoff committee. You will now have, in my opinion, now that the dust has settled on this move, four automatic bids and one group of five bid and seven at-large teams. Okay. And then who knows if they if it does come to pass down the road they go to sixteen, you'd have four 
power five or four power four, my excuse me, four power fours, one group of five, and you would have eleven at larges. What of Oregon State and Washington State? Who, by the way, athletically are better than Cal and Stanford in football and basketball. Oregon State, for example, made it to the Elite Eight two years ago. Oregon State is ranked ranked this year. Oregon State's ranked. What are they, 15, 16? They're ranked. Washington State, when Mike Leach was there, had some good teams. Um, so they can do three things, I think. One, they could do something that is incredibly complicated attempt to rebuild the Pac-12 by raiding other leagues. But it's hard to do when you're two schools. With the, when they had four, they may have been able to do it. Eight, they definitely could do it. But with just two of them, you're not coming from a position of power. Which then brings you to the other side. Do you then go instead to the Mountain West? Yeah, so either you do one of two things. You either go to the Mountain West or you do a reverse merger with the Mountain West and they come over to you and you become the Pac-12 again. Hmm. And then there's the American Conference, which has reached out to each of them. So there's a lot here to consider, including, for example, the Pac-12 bylaws. Oregon State and Washington actually would be in control of all the conference's assets. Believe it or not, like the NCAA tournament money? Yeah. <laughs> right now, it's split it. So they could go three ways. They can go to the American, they can just go over to the Mountain, the Mountain West, or they can do a reverse merger with the Mountain West under the Pac-12 banner. I think those are the three options for Washington State and Oregon State. Although Pete Thamel tweeted this out a little earlier, he says the AAC, according to his sources, the AAC, Oregon State, and Washington State are no longer engaged in expansion talks. That's because Gloria Neverez is the commissioner of the Mountain West. She's a former Pac-12 executive. And she is, uh, by all accounts, um, very creative. Smart, creative. So... And Washington State and Oregon State happen to be two schools that have reputations of being rather pragmatic. But what are they going to do with the money? This is not the slam dunk financially. Each school will probably reap about three to four million extra from how this deal is constructed, with Stanford and Cal taking just 30%, less than a third. 
So each school will get about three to four million. Okay. The extra money will then be put into the pool. That's the incentive money for making the college football playoff a New Year's Six and winning the conference championship game. And that's that unbalanced number that people have talked about. So that's how the money is going to be divided up. The existing 15 schools in the Big Ten, or excuse me, in the ACC, will reap about three to four million in equal payments from the additional money that will come in from ESPN. Stanford and Cal will take their 30% each. The rest of it will go into the pool as the incentive money for winning the ACC title, New Year's Six Bowl game, and a college football playoff bonus. Not exactly a slam dunk. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing and can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection. Imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping, and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury, wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sponsored by Brewers Outlet. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show is brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street and Sunbury the Beverage Supermarket. Imports Domestics Microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. Pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. It's all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Okay, uh, notes in Pittsburgh on media. Uh, uh, 
the AT&T Sportsnet has been bought by the Fenway Sports Group, which is obviously the, the owner of the Penguins, as well as the owner of the Red Sox and Nesson and so forth. So nothing is going to change for the Penguins in terms of where you're going to find the games. But let's bring it to the second part because there will be a change in the broadcasts, big ones. It appears, according to Josh Yoey of uh, the Pittsburgh Tribune, that Steve Mears and Bob Erie are not going to return to the television broadcasts. It looks like Josh Getzoff is going to go over to TV. Um, And they haven't named what they're going to do with radio yet. But Dan Potash is going to stay uh, rinkside. along with Robbie Yankowski. So they're still there. Gets off, looks like he's going to go to the TV side of it. Uh, Phil Bork will still be either radio or TV. That hasn't been decided yet. But Bob Erie and Steve Mears are both out of the Penguins broadcast booth. Now, Fenway Sports Group... In terms of airing the games, you'll find them in the same spot. And by the way, Colby Armstrong looks like he's going to play a bigger role too. Okay, with the Penguins TV broadcast. Um, the um, so the the Penguin part will stay the same. It's just going to be called Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And Fenway Sports Group, of course, we talk about the Red Sox and Nesson, and Fenway Sports Group owns 80% of Nesson, just so you know. It's the baseball side that is going to be unpredictable. Again, where you can find the games for hockey, no difference. You're just going to have different guys announcing it. Steve Mears and Bob Urie apparently are out. Um... And it looks like Josh Getzoff's going in that direction. On the baseball side, this is where it gets tricky. It's not that Fenway Sports Group doesn't want to keep the Penguins on. They do. I mean, the uh, Pirates on. They do. But the contract is up. And with the contract being up, the Pirates have to make a decision of going with Fenway Sports Group and Pittsburgh Sports Net or selling their rights to Major League Baseball like several other teams have been forced to do, like San Diego, Arizona, and others, and having them produce the games. Then at that point, nobody knows what station they're on. That's where it becomes a big guessing game.
It's almost the equivalent of trying to find where the Cal and Stanford games are. No? Not true. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! These are your people, by the way. So that's on the local front. So we want to get everybody up to date on that. Okay? Last night's games. Last night's games will tie into Penn State and West Virginia. So let's tie it in. Okay? By the way, they needed one more vote to get Cal Stanford in. Because when they did an informal vote, they only had 11 votes. They needed 12. The no votes when they did the informal, you know, let's make a phone call here and see how, what everybody's thinking. NC State, North Carolina, Clemson, and Florida State were the no votes. The one that they got to flip was NC State. So let's look at last night's games and then tie it into uh, tomorrow. So what are you looking for tomorrow? Okay. Number one, you want to win the. You want to win, and some of these are really easy. You want to win giveaway, takeaway. Right. Don't open the door. Give them something early to get excited about. But you need to win giveaway, takeaway. You need to win big plays. Again, another easy, obvious one. You're on the track to being a, a good football team if you can keep the pre-snap penalties down. All right. And I'm not just um, in, in pre-snap penalties. Those are the unforced errors. You know, where you jump a, a, a split second ahead of time and it's a false start. You line up offsides defensively. Right? Two guys go in motion. I mean, all these things that you just look at and go, what, what are you doing here? Right? And then let's look at Florida and Utah last night. What was one of the big moments in the Florida-Utah game last night? When Florida had two guys on the field with the same number on special teams. How about that? It two guys on the field with the same number. Now, has it ever happened at Penn State? Yeah, I, I can recall three times it happened, only once they were penalized. The one penalty, it was late in the game. In fact, I was uh, I always talk about being the third guy in the 80s. There were several times in the 80s I was actually the color analyst. Got bumped up. Well, it was a game with Pitt, and I was the color analyst. It was in 86, and it was late in the game. It's mop-up time. Penn State's winning the game easily. And they had Blair Thomas and Darren Hamilton both on the field offensively, and they both wore 32. They got penalized for it. But there's been a couple of two other times I can think of specifically where Penn State had the same guy with the number out there and got away with it. Like, you, okay. One was mop-up time. The other one was actually in the thick of the game. They had Derek Moy and Gerald Hodges on the field at the same time. Like, uh-oh, two number sixes. It was a punt. Because Moy hadn't been returning punts, and then they sent him out there to return a punt. Well, it turned out 
They had two sixes out there. They got away with it, though. But it was something that Jack and I saw right away. Well, Florida did that last night, and they got hit with a critical penalty. That's the kind, and that's a coaching staff error. That's not a player error. That's a coaching staff error. You have to stay away from the pre-snap penalties. You have to stay away from the unforced errors. You know, the good football teams are sharp, or as sharp as they can be right out of the gate. It's going to be a starting point no matter what. And here's the other one. It's another easy one. With the crowd, with, with the way it is, excited, emotional, into the game, you want to get to and then play with the lead. You want to be the one dictating the tone and the tempo. Garrett Green has never been in a situation like this. Yeah, have they played games at Texas and Oklahoma? Yeah, but not this. You know, I was talking to Tony Caridi about this, West Virginia's play-by-play guy. He says, I'm kind of interested to see what this is like. He says, because we went down to Texas. They had 100,000. He said, and it was kind of like a wine and cheese crowd. I said, yeah. I said, welcome to Michigan. Michigan's not a loud stadium. It's louder than it used to be because the construction's a bit different now. But it really has never really been a loud stadium. Ohio State's loud. There's no doubt. Ohio State's loud. Wisconsin's loud. Iowa's loud. Michigan is like, man. Well, that's the way Texas is. And I've done I've done a game down in Texas. So he's never been in something like this. You want to be able to take away, you know, their inside running game. Donaldson's two hundred thirty eight pounds. He can pound it. Carter, who had announced he was going to go here, then got a quote better offer from West Virginia. We'll leave it at that. And he went to West Virginia, as did Rodney Gallagher. They also have a tight end from LSU that's very good. Their best linebacker is probably Lance Dixon, the Penn State transfer. Uh, Fatorbo Mulva probably is going to play. I don't think he's going to start, but um, he's going to play. And we have a couple guys in the secondary I like. Very much. When you look at the tape, like, hey, you know, that guy can play. I like him. Yeah, they got a couple of guys like that. I can't remember the name. I remember the number. Not the number eight. Number eight's really in the secondary is a good player. It's not Stokes. I think Stokes is 31. But uh, now Floyd, 24, he's good. He's a good player, too. But that's where you are. With this team. Now, for Penn State, I can see maybe, let's just throw out a dart here, playing important roles when the game is on the line, just in rotation. I think Penn State could play anywhere from 44 to 51 players, Matt. They could play maybe 11 defensive linemen. 
six linebackers, maybe, maybe seven, because Keon Wiley could get in there. Maybe seven. And they could play maybe ten defensive backs. Between safeties and corners. And offensively, they'll definitely play a minimum of six. It could play as many as eight on the line. Three tight ends. Probably as many as eight wide receivers, three running backs. So they can end up between 44 and 51 guys, you know, excluding special teams. And based on what I've read, I definitely believe it. And that's why I talk all the time about, yes, there is a starting lineup. And there's no question, your starting lineup are the guys you consider to be the best players at that position in a given week. Okay. But I now view anybody that is going to be playing when the game is in the balance as also starters 1B. How about that? Because I think that if you're playing when the game's in the balance, uh, they're not expecting a drop-off. You may not be the one opening the game, but you're still playing when when the game has meaning. To me, that's a, that puts you in that you're among the the group. And you take it from there. And you take it from there. So. And what, Bucknell opens tomorrow with James Madison? Correct. Right? Um, Sue picked Bucknell by four touchdowns because he said something about the fact he didn't think that one guy could beat an entire Bucknell team. Tried to point out to him that, like, that's just the name of the school. They're going to play 11 guys. He got very confused. Oh, my almighty! When you talk to him, do you get as worried as I do? There are points, yes. When he says hi to me. All right. uh, (laughs) We will come back. More in a moment. Great to have you with us today. It gives you at least an idea of what we're thinking about. There there's certain things that that Jack and I will talk in the pregame show strategically we think will be important. We'll do that. You'll hear it on Eagle 107 tomorrow. And uh, today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, tomorrow, Beaver Stadium on Eagle 107. We're on beginning at 6 o'clock. Roger asked me last night what time I'm planning on being there. I said about quarter after 5. And he just got that blank look on his face. Like, why? <laughs> what you... You're going to cut the lawn tomorrow, too? No, I did that yesterday. I did that yesterday. 
No, it was just easy. It's just, you know, whatever's easiest. So I, just, I did that yesterday. Um, but yeah. So, yeah. No need to do that. I already took care of it. I did it after the show yesterday before practice. I had time. So I was like, ah, you know what? It's been a week. I better get it done. What about chopping some wood? It's already stacked and ready. I already have it done. There you go. Wow. What do you think? There's moss growing over here? What's going on? (laughs) I'm just getting an idea of what you're going to do leading up to kickoff. Well, I don't know. I don't find something to do. I mean, (laughs) you know. May sleep late. When I when I do the game tomorrow, it'll be thirteen games in fifteen days. I've had, I've had a lot of games lately, so when I've had chances to get ahead on something like wood or lawn or something like that, I've taken advantage of the time and just done it. Not smart. For it, you know that way, but yeah, this will be thirteen games in fifteen days between baseball and now football. Which is fine. I mean, do you want to know how many people out there listening right now wish they had broadcast 13 games in 15 days? Something tells me a lot of hands would go up. Right? Beats what I do. (laughs) Don't blame you. Uh, I don't know if you heard last night, Pat Kraft, we talked a little bit about a little bit about Beaver Stadium last night on the uh, coaches show and you know they're still working out what they want to do and how they want to do it but one thing that he said last night was interesting and by the way I brought up the Congressional Caucus looking at the 18 historic stadiums Beaver Stadium being one he says he's greatly interested in that as well but they have to see how it plays out it'll take time but he said that the new luxury side on the west side is going to be done in such a way where you're actually going to be closer to the field. 